the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. Oh, Cory Booker. Yesterday. Do we have the audio? I do want to give you a chance to speak about your comments on gay and lesbians. You said in a speech that uh, mourning an America that endorses perversion and calls it an alternative lifestyle, is your words, is being gay a perversion? Okay, can I ask? I mean, what does this have to do with the Secretary of State? What, uh, what does this have to do? I mean, are we going to get into negotiations, uh, you know, with uh, Kim Jong-un about this? He wanted to know about gay sex. Cory Booker, stop the campaigning for just a second, will you? All right. If you want to know where this is headed, let me just let me just start here. You should read about Salem, Massachusetts in 1693. Witchcraft is not what's on trial here. Faith, religious doctrine, Christianity, that's what's on trial here. Because that's what happened. Booker was, was uh, trying uh, to pull out of the closet Christianity. He was trying Pompeo's Christianity. Well, what, what would... What would Pompeo, um, what would have happened if he would have taken the bait? What would be the follow-up question? Are you or are you not a Christian? Are you now or have you ever been a Christian? How many times do you pray? Do you go to church every week? What, I mean, what, what's, what, what's the follow-up? Is my constitution copy, the one that I have, different than everybody else's? Because in mine, freedom of religion is covered under the First Amendment. In fact, it's in the First Amendment to make sure that there was no religious litmus test to be able to serve in the government. You didn't have to believe one thing that somebody else didn't believe. This is why it's in the Constitution, because you used to have to go to a certain church and believe in a certain thing. Our founder said, nope, everybody can. You doesn't matter what church you go to. Doesn't matter if you don't go to church. It doesn't matter. Should it matter that Pompeo believes that gay sex is a sin? Or can we think what we want can we all believe see this is an argument my daughter and i had years ago and now she has come to me and said oh wow wait a minute this isn't about love no it wasn't it was for the average person it was for the average person hey i have a right to love who i want to love you do okay good the government shouldn't be in this business of marriage at all but there was a lot of other people where it wasn't about love. It was about control. It was about getting everybody else to believe and think what they believe and think. See, I thought that was the problem. 
I thought that was the problem that people had with religious people. That they were always trying to get you to believe and think exactly what they believe and think. I've always thought, let's leave each other alone. But I can't figure out for the life of me a group of people, how a group of people who have been forced to live in a closet, forced to not be who they are, how all of a sudden they want to force other people into their way of thinking. Will every Christian belief soon be on trial in the hollowed halls of Washington, D.C.? I mean, I know we're not going to try other religions, just Christianity. Will everything Christians view as sinful suddenly make them inadequate or disqualified from public service? Look, I have to tell you, I don't have a problem with Christianity at all. I have a problem with Christians, sure. Jesus, save me from your followers. I think that an awful lot. Because none of us are living it. I mean, I, I don't... I don't know if I can be called a Christian. Or I should say, I don't know if Jesus would call me a Christian. I would hope so, but I don't know. Christianity is absolutely under attack. We all have to start living it. But you can't tell me that if Keith Ellison a practicing Muslim, was sitting in the same spot that he'd be given the same question. They wouldn't have dared ask Keith Ellison anything like that about his religion. But Pompeo's Christianity, it's fair game. For some reason, it's easier for them to believe that a Muslim is capable of being both religious and able to champion secular rights of people but a Christian isn't somehow. I mean, Muslims in the Middle East are throwing gay people off of rooftops. But we won't question that. And quite honestly, I don't think we have to question that. We have to know, do you want to throw people off rooftops? But that wasn't, that wasn't okay for Pompeo to say. Pompeo said yesterday that, look, I've treated everybody the same. My view is my view, but I treat everybody the same. Okay, then I'm cool with that. Hey, Mr. Keith Ellison, do you believe that homosexuality is a sin? Can't ask that question. I don't want to. I want to ask this, and I think I know the, I think, I think I know the answer. Keith Ellison, do you believe the people are right throwing gay people off the rooftops? He's going to say, no, uh uh-uh. Okay. Does anybody remember this comment? I believe that marriage is not just a bond, but a sacred bond between a man and a woman. Okay, Hillary Clinton breezed through her confirmation in near record time. Did you notice that no one asked her about the heresy of declaring marriage as being between a man and a woman? If it's so pivotal, being the Secretary of State, why didn't they ask her that? Oh, because she learned. No, she didn't. 
She was either lying then or she is lying now. She only came to this enlightened position when it became popular in the polls. Now, maybe it's maybe they didn't ask her because her last name is Clinton. But it's also because Christianity is under attack like never before. We all have to put on the full armor of God because we ain't headed any place good. And the witchcraft trials are coming soon. It's Friday, April 13th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's shameful what's going on. But as long as we're living our lives the way we're supposed to be, as long as we humble ourselves, and as long as we uh, live in love, I think we're going to be okay. It's going to just get harder and harder to do. And we've got 12 warships uh, setting sail for Syria. This no longer sounds like a little missile strike. And we have telegraphed what we're going to do. And so Syria is moving all of their armaments onto Russian bases, which is going to make it even harder. And we're building a coalition. And apparently Donald Trump and, uh, and John Bolton uh, want to send a strong message. And the Pentagon is warning we we are we're 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 one mistake away here from having a war with Russia. Bring in Jason Batrill, who is um, uh, a senior advisor and researcher, uh, specializing in uh, military and um, and foreign operations. Hello, Jason. Howdy. So, what are we heading for here? Twelve warships. So we've got a carrier strike. I think it's the Truman heading in that direction. Um, so that's about a total of six ships, the aircraft carrier and its support group. And then we also already have four destroyers in that area already with two submarines. So this is one of the larger buildups that we've seen probably since the Iraq invasion. A uh, big difference there was there were six aircraft carriers. Um, so there was a lot of firepower, but that was an invasion. This is obviously not an invasion, but this is still a very large buildup of, of firepower. Now, if you consider the coalition that you talked about this building with the UK and France, if they even match that together by half um, each, each country, then we're looking at a significant force. Now, what that tells us is, is that they're not going to do what they did last time. It's not just going to be 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles at a random airport, air, uh, you know, Syrian base um, and a few planes. And by the way, that airfield that we hit last time was operational in a matter of hours. So that last track did nothing. So that's what Mattis is telling uh, Donald Trump right now. He's saying, look, what we did last time didn't really do anything. It didn't do anything then. It didn't deter chemical weapons use because they're still using them like crazy. It didn't do anything. So what you have to do now, unless if you don't want to do something pointless, is go all in. You need to build a coalition you need to strike multiple targets and actually do something that's going to cause doing? Wait, what all, are we doing? And what does all in mean? All in means an invasion. It means a full war, right? Is that what you think they should do? Or you think that they are they even considering that? Because they, they, they tend to deny that they're even considering that. Yeah, well, I don't think an invasion is 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 quote unquote all in on this. Okay, I, I think that they're looking to significantly. I the only thing that would make that would justify this is if they damage him enough that regime change would come organically. That mm-hmm. would you know come out. 
you know, so the thing that changed the face of the war was Russian air power. So coalition, NATO coalition air power would reverse that. So a la, you know, Libya, Gaddafi, something along those lines, that, that kind of, uh, that would be their all in. And luckily Libya worked out really well. Great. Uh, That was a a home run. Look, we create this power vacuum. That's not going to be good because Iran is going to sweep in. Right. You're exactly right, and uh, the uh, the Joint Chiefs have actually said that before. They, they've they've made hints. So what are we lines. doing? What do you think the plan is? <laughs> That's a very good question. I don't think they've had a plan for a very long time. They, they've handed the, the the area over to Iran. They've got no plans about what to do now. So Iran has basically just taken over Syria, Iraq. We've got no plans. We're sitting there with the Kurds, wondering what the heck do we do? All the time, our NATO ally is coming down and killing the Kurds. So we're sitting there like saying, hey, you know, basically these Kurdish forces are our only footprint in this country. If we give in, which I believe we will, and let Turkey go ahead and take the Kurds out, Jeez. then what's our plan? So now, really, they're looking at, okay, we have to give the, the Kurds to Turkey. They got to. I don't want that to happen, but they, they really have to. You know, do, do you side with the Kurds or do you give in to a NATO ally? They're going to give in to the NATO ally. That's, that's, mm. It shouldn't have been a NATO ally in the first place. Completely but. agree. So we have the Syrian government and Hezbollah. They have re- they have uh, reportedly evacuated the weapons from key locations, and Assad has moved his planes to the Russian-operated bases. He's no dummy. So what? Do we, we can't we can't hit a Russian base. <laughs> you would hope not, but that is exactly what Matt has said in the in this in this in the leaked conversations in their meeting yesterday. Was that Bolton and Trump were like, yeah, let's do it. But Madison Dumford were like, whoa, like th- there's significant chance for a mistake to happen here, which has been there since we've th- since the coalition against ISIS has happened, but never so more n- than now, right now. So if we do actually say, OK, forget that we're still going to go all in, quote unquote, and go for some of these military assets. What if we what if we make a mistake on our end and take out a couple Russian troops? This will spiral out of control. What if they just what if their S-400 missile system, which is the most advanced one in the world, kicks off and downs a B-2 uh, bomber or a Raptor or any other coalition aircraft? This will spiral out of control. The chances for a mistake here are huge and, and, the, and the consequences are catastrophic. I, we, we haven't been in a situation like this. I don't think in an armed military. When have we ever during the Cold War been this close to Russian or Soviet soldiers? So it sounds like Cuban as, missile crisis. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It, it yeah. sounds as if you're saying it's not worth the risk. Is that is that your I mean, if you had to break it down, is that what you think? Yeah, I exactly. I, I don't I don't think it's worth the risk. And if they if they believe it's worth the risk, it's such a heavy consequences. This has to go to Congress has to. And regardless, even if they're going to do that, even if it's not just a limited little strike like last year, they have to go to Congress. This has to be. See, here's, here's what's mm-hmm. really disturbing to me. If you look at like the front page of the Drudge Report or really pretty much anybody, um, you're not seeing this lead because nobody's clicking on that story. You're just not clicking on that story because it hasn't. Nobody's given this perspective yet. Nobody has said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop talking about Comey. Stop talking. Stop promoting his new book. Yeah, but he was shaking his hands and he made a mental note that his hands weren't as small as had been reported. Did you hear that? Did you guys hear that? That's incredible. <laughs> what an incredible incred- leak. This is this is what uh. we're concentrating on. And the press is letting us down again. But this time it may have serious consequences 
for the entire republic quickly because we cannot go into war with russia and it it, it seems as though that's the way we're moving and that's the way the rest of the world is moving can we can we pause for a second and have a conversation you're right jason this needs to go to congress congress needs to rule on this one because the consequences are far too high they're far too great um here to to just to just have somebody make the decision and go in and do something where it could clearly be world war three if they would shoot down a b2 or if we would hit their planes and their men and they responded by launching at our battle group and they sunk a ship or two can you even imagine i don't want war with russia at least i don't want one that just starts on a tuesday and we're all looking at each other wednesday going wait 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 what the hell just happened America, we've got to wake up. We've got to have serious conversations. Stop talking about James Comey. And as I say that, CNN has their interview with James Comey. All right, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. Thanks so much to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter.com. You want great people working for you, and there's an easy way to find them. Something better than just posting your jobs online, ZipRecruiter found a smarter way. They built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for. It identifies the people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job. The um, invitations now that ZipRecruiter sends out have revolutionized the way people find their next hire. 80% of employers who post a job with ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in the first 24 hours. And ZipRecruiter does more than just that. They even spotlight the strongest applications that you receive so you are sure to see the cream of the crop. The right candidate is out there, and ZipRecruiter is going to find them. Try it for free now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. If you're looking to hire, hire the right person. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. It's free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. back so president trump now is uh set to pardon scooter libby <laughs> it's a brilliant piece of, piece of strategy it is first of all comey appointed the person who brought the charges mm-hmm. against him so it's a kind of a you know, sticking in the face of of comey yeah but more importantly more importantly it sends a great message to anyone who might do something <laughs> which is if you're loyal to the president guess who gets pardoned guess who gets pardoned in the end by the way, completely Trump's right to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's wrong in pardoning Sco- Scooter Libby. I think the charges were largely nonsense mm-hmm. um, against him anyway. Um, so there, he's not doing anything wrong here, but it's a ni- it, the timing is a nice piece of strategy. It's a heck of a nice piece of strategy because it sends dual messages, kind of a middle finger to James Comey, and at the same time, a, a reminder 
to people who may or may not talk to a uh, certain special counsel uh, that if but you if you stay loyal, that in the end there might be something look at, good. Look at look at what Washington and the media are circling around. I mean, pardoning Scooter Libby, we're 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 being told by Russia that we're on the eve of World War Three, and this is what the press and Washington is dealing with. Glenn Beck. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. There is a new show starting tonight on PBS called In Principle. Uh, it is it is hosted. Try this out for a side. It's hosted by uh, Amy Holmes, who was with us she was i think like employee number two or three of the blaze uh she was our uh, news anchor for years uh a conservative and michael gershon who, who it was a, a speech writer uh for george w bush a senior advisor for bush also a conservative Gr- uh, grace i think her last name is uh, uh coulter she uh, is the senior producer or the series producer, and I think she was hired by PBS from Sinclair. So I don't know how any of this happened, but it's on uh, PBS of all places, a conservative uh, talk show, and I'm going to be a guest on it tonight. Um, welcome to Amy and Michael. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. Doing Glad to good. be with you. So um, um, first of all, uh, do you guys have any comment on how this, I mean, is it the rapture in 10 days that brought this show to PBS or? <laughs> no, they, they came to us, WTA here in Washington. Um, I think they've been wanting to do a program like this for a while. Uh, you know, program, it's not an ideological program. We right. deal with things broadly, but the topics are of interest to people in the center and center right, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, the the goal is to have sort of a, civil discussion about not the issues of the day, but really sort of the ideas beneath the news, what's yeah. going on in the realm of ideas. And, yeah, you know, they came to us, so it, we were honored to, to do it. Uh, Michael, let me ask you, because you were in the White House um, with Bush from 2001 to 2006, um, I'm, I'm really disturbed by uh, what things look like we're doing or preparing to do over in Syria. I'm, I'm not really sure, but things are, are really quite tense. What was it like when you were in the White House on days like this or weeks like this? Well, we had too many of them, you know, with 9-11 and uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, um, surge in Iraq. These were... Uh, you know, extraordinary days. I, my fear is that the process in the White House seems to be chaotic. Um, I trust some of the actors like uh, uh, Secretary Mattis at the Defense Department, who is really a, a thoughtful and responsible guy. Um, but when you have the president announcing policies in tweets and then withdrawing them in tweets, um, you know, you're you've crossed some line. I, I, I'm, I'm fearful about the process and the way they make decisions, which seems to be chaotic. And process can really matter when it comes to life and death decisions. Um, <clears throat> are we preparing for war, do you guys think? Amy, do you think, are we preparing for war? 
I don't know if we're preparing for war, and I don't think that... Much the is there? No, she she's there, so we can hear her. Michael, you probably can't. Oh, oh. Go ahead, Amy. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that we're necessarily preparing for war, and the president, I don't think, has signaled that. Um, I don't think the American people want more engagement in the Middle no. East. I think there's actually fatigue about engagement in the Middle East, and of course, the president campaigned on. So, what did we get out of all of this? <laughs> it doesn't seem particularly clear. And then, after eight years of the Obama administration and the Middle East becoming even more chaotic. I think the American people um, are certainly not prepared for that. Um, I don't know about the process in terms of decision-making. Okay. Uh, we saw that there was the bombing after the uh, chemical attack, you know, um, some months ago by the president. Uh, but I don't think that he's geared enough for some sort of full-scale military conflict. I, ho- I, ho- I, hope, so. I hope you're right. Um, Cory Booker yesterday went after Pompeo's uh, Christianity. Does that have a does that have a place in in a uh, hearing for the the head of the State Department? Well, Mike? that's the first time hearing of it. Glenn, can no, you give us a few not. more details? Um, yeah, I mean, in fact, we have no religious tests for office in the United States. Um, that's that's part of the Constitution. This is a, you know raised its head also in judicial nominations, um, particularly with Catholics. Um, where their you know faith is questioned, are they going to be uh, you know unbiased? Um, as though religious people can't make judgments about law um, and and fact. Um, so I, I think that that this is one of the problems is a kind of secularism that says religious motivations and views are somehow off limits, as though other people don't have their own philosophical right. approaches and views. Right. Um, it's kind of privileging a secular perspective. Instead of saying we all are informed by our ba- most basic beliefs and and should be, um, so yeah, I think it's a, I think that's a serious problem when you create a suspect class based on religious belief. I'm really excited to uh, have a, a new show with conservative perspective that everybody's going to be able to see. I think it's a really exciting thing. Um, Amy, though, a- answer me this question: Should I be excited because you, the first guest is Glenn Beck? Uh, will does he say anything in this interview that will end our careers? <laughs> no, you should not be excited at all about <laughs> being on TV. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, and um, you know we were we we were discussing this after our interview with Mr. Beck uh, that we're there for open conversation and. Viewers, listeners, when they watch tonight, they're going to get that. They're going to get thoughtful, reflective, candid, and, you know, uh, self-critical discussion. And, Glenn, you were asked very directly by my co-host, Michael, about some of the motivations that are built into the structure of media, like getting ratings, getting more clicks, getting more likes, getting more upvotes. And how does that influence possibly content for hosts and guests and so yeah. forth and glenn you were pretty candid about that you're just like yeah well I, 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 it matters i will tell you this that i i've done a, obviously a lot of interviews and uh i was uh, really impressed the way you two work together and and how you let um me answer and it wasn't a it wasn't a jump on every word that i say it was you you know had some tough questions obviously but it was a chance to actually 
speak um, without being interrupted and uh, and without argument, just honest questions, which I don't see very often. Well, that's the goal of our show. That's the goal of, you know, when the show was conceived, it's just like there's a lot of the sort of World Wrestling Federation of Politics on cable news, and you see people in their corners, and the bell rings, and they go to battle. And we felt like there's a real hunger and a real need to have a more expansive, thoughtful, and illuminating conversation about the politi- politics, policies, and issues that really matter. And so that's what, we're, that's what we're aiming for. Well, guys, thank you so much. We will be watching tonight, 8.30 Eastern Time. It happens on Fridays following Washington Week. Fridays on PBS. It's called In Principle. And uh, we wish you all the luck, and we'll see you tonight on your first episode. The first episode airs tonight, uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 Central at PBS. Uh, you can go to pbs.org slash inprinciples, the name of the show. Uh, the hashtag is inprinciple on PBS. Have we slipped through another wormhole yet? <laughs> I mean, it's again, it's... PBS doing a conservative <laughs> show? I I don't know. That's good, though. I mean, I, it's nice to have a, I think, I, I'm really interested to watch the show because of the the the, the format that allows, I think, a, a more, you know, a, a, a conversation that doesn't lend itself completely to soundbite answers with everyone cutting each other off. I mean, I think we're at a point now with conservatism where it's important to, 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 to have the voices from across that spectrum to be able to talk and and uh, and and actually let ideas come out. I mean, you will look at it on on social media, and you have this situation where you make a comment, and then you have five hundred people yelling at you, and it just it just devolves. Yeah, it was so quickly. It was really it was really quite interesting and very self reflective. I I mean, I don't know. I think I interviewed with him for about an hour or so, and. <laughs> I think the interview is going to end up being about 12 minutes. So I don't know what is still gonna... pretty long. Yes, yeah, still very long <laughs> yeah. um, for, for television. That's an eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm anxious to see what they um, what they use. But it was not a it was a real good open discussion where we we probed all of the media. I think that's what people like, generally speaking, uh, when talk radio is at its best. Right. Yeah. There are times where it sucks, of course. But that when talk radio is at its best, you've got 15 hours a week to dissect important issues and hopefully be entertained and everything along the way. But, I mean, the goal being to be able to discuss those issues with, with a little bit of uh, context, yeah. with a little bit of space, a little bit of a breathing room. Um, you know, I think we've gone, we get further and further away from that in the sort of clickbaity social media sort of world but I, I think that's the strength of of what talk radio has brought to the table for decades and you know hopefully if they can get to a point um and it seems like this is what they're going for where we can have actual conversations that aren't cut off every 10 seconds it would be it's, nice it, it, the, the name of the show says it all it's in principle uh and and that's what we have to talk about we have to talk about the bigger yeah. principles. This this Comey stuff today, oh which is gosh. just is just promoting his book. Yeah, that's all this is doing is promoting a book. And like you know, Fox News. We we have criticism of Fox News over the years. There's things that we don't like that they that they do. But the 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 sort of media criticism of of Fox is that they're not taking the news seriously because all they want to do is defend Trump. Mm-hmm. And you'll see they'll show you know journalists all the time. I see in my feed tweet things like look at this what's going on and you'll you'll see 
you know, Russia one. scandal, Russia scandal, and then like Tucker Carlson's talking about panda bears or something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. Did you see this one? Yeah. And there's been a bunch of these that have come around at this at all at the same time. Like here's these other networks, MSNBC and and CNN taking things seriously while Fox is over there doing what they do, trying to ignore the big news. I got to tell you, I watched I was in my office. Stop. For, stop. Fox News, mm-hmm. Trump weighs Syria options with allies. Yes. CNN, Trump allies fear feds have Cohen conversation days. Yeah, and I'll tell you. Which one is the real news here? Exactly. And you can talk about motivation all you want. You can say that, you know, maybe they're talking about this because they think the Comey book is bad for Trump. We can mm-hmm. make that accusation. But I watched two. I was in my office working out yesterday afternoon for two hours. And I was I just had to keep glancing up at the television to see what was happening. This is right as the Comey stuff is coming out. And it's true. The, the Fox News spent a little bit, not much, time on the stuff that was breaking from the Comey book. But you know what they were talking about? Issues of substance. They were talking about Syria. They were talking about Russia. They were talking about important issues that were going on right now. You know what they were doing on CNN? They were talking about PP tapes. They were talking about PP tapes. They were talking about... Um, uh, the, sci- the the clip that came out about James Comey's uh, noticing that Trump's hands were smaller than his, but not uh, abnormally small. They were talking about can all I, the I, gossip coming out of this book for two straight hours, while Fox was at least talking about important issues. They were talking about real things that actually matter to people. The Syria thing is really, really serious. It's really serious. And when I, when I got home yesterday, and I saw the, as you call them, the PP tapes... I didn't call them the PP tapes. They were calling them PP tapes on CNN. They were talking about they golden were showers. They were talking about all, they, oh my God. all of it, all okay. on CNN. Uh, okay, so so I read the story. I didn't see. I've stopped watching television. Uh, but uh, I, I I read the story when I got home, and I thought PP tapes. First of all, if you know anything about Donald Trump, you know that he's a germaphobe. So there is no way. There's no way. He wants anybody's. There's no way <laughs> right, he wants right. his PP in right. him or around him. Okay, let alone anybody else's. But this is what we're talking about. Seriously, something that any sane individual or any insane reporter who is at least honest about Donald Trump and who he is, chiefly a germaphobe knows that's not happening any journalist who's honest about russia knows that's from the russian playbook on how to discredit people please Mm. and you're talking about this while russia is talking about world war three and one quick thing on the comey book there are two ways that books leak early okay one the publisher says Let's take this excerpt, this excerpt, this expert excerpt, the, this most salacious stuff and leak it out there mm-hmm. so that the people, the media will jump all over it and will promote the book. The other is the entire book gets out to multiple people. They go through the whole thing and they start picking the most salacious. That's a big distinction there. If this is the media getting a hold of this book and telling you the best stuff from inside of it, there's nothing in this book. Nothing. I want to tell you about Casper. Casper is our sponsor this half hour. They have taken sleep to a wonderful place. Casper Mattress. The engineers at Casper have outdone themselves with an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. Casper, my favorite mattress. I I have to be honest with you, and I was when the first day I got it. I wasn't sure. I took the 100-day sleep test. 
I tried it out in my own home, just like you can. You, if you don't love it, you just call them up. They pick it up. They refund every single penny. You, you, you know, you owe nothing. You're not having any kind of hassle, and you're actually deciding in the right way: Is this the right mattress for me? Try it now from Casper. Casper.com/slash/beck. Go there now. Try the Casper mattress at casper.com slash Beck. If you use the promo code Beck, you're going to save $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com, promo code Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Bill O'Reilly is coming up in just a second. So this Comey thing with the, with the tapes, they're making a big deal about how he went to James Comey and asked him, hey, you know, I'm really worried my wife believes this. Uh, I want you to investigate it and, and, and show that it's not true. And they're making this out to be this big controversy. Now, whether that's appropriate for him to do to the FBI director is one thing. But the other thing is, if he actually had done it, he wouldn't assign a person he's completely uncomfortable with, James Comey, to investigate whether it's true or not. Stop thinking this through. <laughs> right? Stop think it. This, this is absolves him largely. Stop using logic and reason. <laughs> That's not what we do in the media now. Stop it. Come up with some distorted headline that everybody can just click on that has nothing to do with what you just said. Bill O'Reilly's next. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Love, courage, truth. Glenn Beck. The patriarchy has strikes again. It is it has striked again, and I don't know what to do. Washington State University has canceled its fat studies class. Fat studies. I can't study fatness anymore at Washington State University. The fat activists all over the country are furious now. The moment they finish their second plate of refried tofu, they're going to waddle out into the street and scream at the sky. Why? Why? Throughout the country, campus feminists are quivering, terrified that fat shaming will only get worse now. So let's talk about the fact that fat studies class exists. Now, I, I want you to know I speak to you as Lord of the Fat People. I speak to you from my chair in my studio that smells, well, it, it's, it smells like donuts with just a hint of Cinnabon. And this is the room that I usually sit in after the show in my underpants and, and eat uh, Oreo cookies by the sleeve. So I speak to you as an expert. So let's talk about fat studies. First of all, take a guess which program the class is under. If you said women's studies, you win a Diet Coke and a cheeseburger. The course is a, quote, examination of weight-based oppression as a social justice issue with other systems of oppression based on gender, race, class, age, sexual orientation, and ability. The Antifa mask and the Drumpf t-shirt is not included. Our country is now in the throes of an obesity epidemic, and academics are uh, concerned about fat-inclusive bikinis, and I am not kidding you, 
the anti-male gaze. The anti-male gaze. Yes, that's right. The fat studies folks have flipped the feminist concept of the male gaze, which claims that the patriarchy is triggered by white cisgender men whose oppressive gaze vilifies women, worsens misogyny. In a gasping contradiction, an inadvertent counterexample of the original theory, fat-shaming and fat-study feminists claim that anytime white cisgender men don't find overweight women attractive and are practicing the anti-gays, it's because they're misogynistic. So wait, so wait, I, I, I need to, okay, hold on. I need somebody from the campus to answer which one is it. I'm a misogynist if I gaze or I'm a misogynist if I don't gaze. Now, I don't expect an answer because, you know, they're all too busy fighting for the rights of oppressed communities, often without invitation. I mean, I'm fat. I never asked them to fight for me. Oh, is it because I'm a male and I'm white, so I don't count? Now, tuition at Washington State runs about $5,000 per class. That's a, that's a waste of money you're never going to get back. This course is run by Dr. Deborah Cristal, who has applied her Ph.D. in sport psychology, women's study, and apparel design to help students understand fat stigma, weight bias, and thin privilege. <clears throat> also, of course, uh, the weight-based oppression. Now, her writings have been featured, and I'm not sure if this has been peer-reviewed, but uh, they, they, uh, her writings often appear in the journal Fat Studies. I get that all the time. I can't. I tried to, I tried to cancel my subscription, but they make it so hard to, you know, to stop getting that monthly magazine, Fat Studies. So I, I don't know what to do. Anyway, she uses critical feminist theory and, nar- <laughs> and I love this, narrative uh, pedagogies to, uh, uh, to fight fat stigma by promoting activism to erode the thin-centric orientation among students. What the hell are you talking about? First of all, the word critical is academic lingo for neo-Marxist. Anytime you hear a professor or academic rattle on about critical theory, they're talking about Marx. They're basing what they say now on the principles of the Frankfurt School, also known as neo-Marxism. And uh, narrative pedagogies, it's academic code for a form of teaching based on relativism in which students and teachers use their subjective experiences to learn because any idea can be interpreted in in an infinite number of ways because there is no meaning, there is no truth, there is no objective reality. Postmodernism, meaning the fat studies movement. Like much of the campus anti-logic modern feminism and social justice leftism, is based on the objective statement that there are no objective statements. Wait, what? And since feelings are facts, concepts like fatphobia, microaggression, cisgender white privilege are all considered not just legitimate, 
but indisputably true, even though there is no actual truth. So it's the food's fault. No, no, wait, it's not the food's fault. It's the patriarchy's fault. It's the patriarchy that forced me to eat that second tub of cinnamon-laced cupcake batter. (laughs) And I know who the leader of this troop is. Yes. It's Friday, April 13th. You want to talk... This is the Glenn Beck Program. You want to talk about cisgender bias. (laughs) Bill O'Reilly comes to mind. Forcing me to eat sleeve after sleeve of Oreo cookies. What, what's this gender back? What, what, what is that? Uh, it's just like you not to know, Bill. Just yeah. like you not to know. What is it? <clears throat> I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. What, what, I think cisgender I mean, gender is male, female. I got right. that. Cisgender is, is is what we traditionally thought of as gender back in the days when yeah. we were ill-informed and a non. Uh, evolved. So when you say male and female, male yeah. and female doesn't really exist anymore. It's oh. cisgender. You're a closed-minded bigot. Oh. It's old school, so Bill. You're a corpulent... Corpulent? I don't know what else to call you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a fancy word for fat. I think yeah, that's what word of the day. Big. Bill O'Reilly just called me fat. <laughs> uh, Look, on BillOReilly.com, we have a special section for people who overeat. And uh, we applaud them. Yes. Yeah, we encourage that you fulfill your basic desires. Mm-hmm. And if you're Zoftig, we like you just the same. Wow. BillOReilly.com is cisgendered, whatever that is, we are. Yeah. And uh, we want people to go there. I think that's bad. Snack. I think that's bad. Isn't that bad, student cisgender being cisgender bad? I think no, it's just the... It's the we. It's the true. It's the new word for the traditional understanding of gender. Okay. Well, I, I don't believe. think you understand. Okay, because there is no there is no <laughs> objective truth. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. So okay, so Bill O'Reilly, lots to yeah. talk to you about. First, can we start with uh, important news, and then we'll go to the big news. But important news. What the hell's happening with Syria? Well, I think that, that there is a uh, fear on the part of. Uh, the Trump administration, that if the United States launches military action, which would have to be bombings, missiles, that kind of thing, no ground action, that the stock market will tank, it'll interrupt the economy, it'll cause unintended consequences, uh, Putin will do something rotten, Iran will too. So it'll throw off you know, all the things that Trump wants to accomplish. That's what's holding them back, the unintended consequences. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, asking, I'm asking you, we're just sending 12, uh, we're to- sending 12 warships over into the area. This will be the biggest buildup since, I think, the Iraq War. Uh, well, we're, we're, building thing, a, we're building a coalition. It makes me a little nervous that there's more than just uh, a couple of missiles being lob- uh, lobbed over, or that we're afraid that, Russia may respond as they say they are. Well, the Russian fleet uh, got out of Tartus. That's their Mediterranean port. The reason that Putin is in Syria is because he made a deal with Assad to have a big air base there and to have a port, Tartus, T-A-R-T-U-S. You remember that St. Paul hung out in Tartus. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, 
That's why Putin is in there. He's got his Mediterranean port. But the Soviet warships are out of there. They were ordered to leave. So I think it's a good thing that warships are going. I'd like to see some British and French warships as well. Because if you basically set up a blockade of uh, Syria, you can do them heavy, heavy economic damage without shooting anybody. So that might be the way to go here. The guy who's calling the shots is Mattis, the defense secretary. Um, it's not Trump calling the shots here. Mattis is really in charge. So you don't believe you don't believe the rumor that Trump and um, and Bolton are asking for a hard line, and the and Pentagon with with Mattis are pushing back and saying, no, 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 Mr. President, we don't want to go that far. No, I think Bolton and Mattis are pretty simpatico. Word of the day. Um, and Mattis is the lead on this. See, Bolton's not going to go in and, and start to break the furniture on his second day there, third day there. Um, so I think that's the scenario, and uh, I kind of like the blockade thing. Uh, I think that that's a message, and, and that can do a lot of harm to Syria and hurt Assad's uh, power base. Okay, as I look up at the, um, as I look up at the, the televisions and the monitors, I keep seeing Fox News talking about, you know, pretty much actual news the whole day. And CNN just continues to focus on Comey and the PP tapes. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, I wrote a column and I hope I sent it to you back because I always send my columns to Glenn Beck I, just for his approval. I never read get them. it, but I, yeah. I sent it. From now on, I'm going right. to copy Stu. Maybe I'll get right. approval from yes. Stu. Thank you, right. Bill. Smart. But anyway, um, look, there is no media, honest media in this country anymore. Um, and anything that they can grab to hammer Trump, they will. The real irony on this is that CNN hated Comey when Comey was going after Hillary Clinton. And I had Lanny Davis on BillOReilly.com two days ago, and he broke some news. He said that he talked to the inspector general of the Justice Department about Comey and handed over documents that make Comey look like a complete phony and a complete fraud. This is Lanny Davis saying it. And Lanny Davis, of course, is a very close friend of the Clintons. So it's, very, it's instructive to watch now how Comey's the good guy again, because Comey is trying to demean and to besmirch Donald Trump, which, which is a horrible situation for a former FBI director who had the highest clearance of security to write a tawdry book smearing, you know, yes, Trump fired him. Yes, we know Comey doesn't like him. But to get down in the gutter, that really reflects poorly on James. I, I, I will tell you the the uh, the one thing that I saw that I that I thought was remarkably slimy. Um, and you know what is the name of the book? Like you know, a higher honor or something like that. I thought was totally dishonorable. He told the story, whether it's true or not, I don't know. Um, but he told the story that uh, General Kelly came to him after Trump fired him, and and. And uh, said, you know, I can't work for a dishonorable man and I'm going to quit after this. And he had built this up like, you know, uh, General Kelly was the one stabilizing factor and yada, yada, yada. And then he exposes him as coming out and saying that. I mean, yeah. that, that any a, if you that any human being had with James Comey is obviously uh, not going to be kept confidential. The thing yeah, that but, but wait, 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 wait. The point of that is, though, is he was trying to make. Uh, Kelly seem very important as the only adult in the room and the only stabilizing factor. Well, if you cared about your country and if that were true, 
you wouldn't out the guy you were counting on keeping the yeah, president. Sure. He wants to make Kelly squirm because he doesn't like Kelly either. But I thought the the worst thing, and I'm, I'm probably not going to read the book because I don't believe uh, James Comey tells the truth, but I thought the worst thing was talking about Trump's concern for his wife over these uh, yeah. unverified allegations in a Russian dossier. Now, if, if any man is concerned for his wife's feelings, that's a good thing. And to turn it around into some kind of tawdry display, as Comey did in his book, really says all you need to know about James Comey, does it not? Yeah, and if he's concerned about his wife and he goes to James Comey, but he did these things... Why would you go to a guy that you supposedly don't trust and say, hey, can you verify that I didn't do these yeah, things? Yeah, he's going to the FBI saying, listen, if you can give me some information I can pass on to Melania that would, you know, make her feel a little bit better, please do so. And, and totally rational, totally um, caring, if you want to use that word, request. And then Comey turns it around to try to use it. And, of course, the New York Daily News picks it up, puts it on the front page. I mean, you know, it really, this country, America right now, because of the media, has really descended into a place that makes me extremely uncomfortable. More with Bill O'Reilly here in just a second, and we're going to go to uh, the raid on the, on the president's personal attorney. That's happened since last we spoke to Bill O'Reilly. We'll get his take on that coming up. First, let me tell you about Simply Safe. Last two weeks, Simply Safe won the Editor's Choice Award from CNET Magazine and PC Magazine. Oh, and the Wire Cutter. Three respected product testers, and they put Simply Safe through the battery of tests compared it to all other home security products. Simply Safe won every single time. I have to tell you. I've been telling you for about Simply Safe for years now. They have gotten so much better, and there is there is no reason that I can think of that you wouldn't get Simply Safe for your security. When when you are looking for something that is going to protect your home and protect your family, this is absolutely the best, and it's going to save you a fortune. Now, Simply Safe, they are completely redesigned. I want you to go to their website at simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. I just want you to scroll down. And look at the part where it's got a chart and it says uh, how much money you're going to save over the next few months. It's shocking how much money you will save. Then read about the product and how great it is. You're going to put Simply Safe in your home because there's just, I mean, if you're looking for a way to secure your family, there's no better way. SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there now and they'll take 10% off the purchase price of Simply Safe. And it's $14.95 a month for the monitoring with no contract. SimplySafeBeck.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. I want to get into uh, the. Uh, the shakedown of the president's attorney and how that was handled and what it means here in just a second. But I, Bill, I've got about two and a half minutes. I just, I want to get your comment on this. I just look up at the screen and on CNN, the, the, the banner, the lower third says Comey calls Trump an unethical liar. And (laughs) CNN says, we go now to democratic Congressman uh, 
uh, Denny Heck to uh, uh, get his opinion on this. That's like that's like saying the new Tesla three is a crappy car and uh, the company's not going to be around long. We go now to Mike Ditto, a Chevy Volt salesman, for his opinion, <laughs> for his his objective analysis. Right. But it's more the same, you know. I, I just uh, can't um, emphasize enough to your listeners that this is a total collapse of, of any information flow that's worthy. Uh, you know, I wrote this column that, that ref- I referred to before the break to show you underneath what you see on television and what you read in the newspaper how it's being designed. This is all by design now, it's not an accident, it's not a mistake. I mean, they take anonymous sources, then somewhat ridiculous, people familiar with the conversation. Right. (laughs) Yeah, okay, fine. And then they print it as fact. And then they bring on five people. And let's go to Jeffrey Tubin to discuss the anonymous source thing that we don't even know is true, but we don't really care if it's true I've never, because we're going to treat it as true. I will tell you, you know, all the world is but a stage. That phrase has come to mind more than ever. I mean, almost every day I look at television and I think that I feel like we are in a we're in a play right now. Well, it's a bad, bad thing. And there are a few voices. I think you're one of them. Um, I certainly am mm. that don't have an agenda. We just want to bring information to the people. We tell them whether it's speculative or whether it's factual, and then the people can decide for themselves. But this vast manipulation is just crushing the spirit of the country. Okay, so we're going to go into um, what happened with the president's uh, lawyer. They now are hoping that there are tapes involved. Oh my gosh. We'll go into that next. Glenn Beck, Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck program. We go down to Bill O'Reilly and um, from BillOReilly.com. We want to talk a little bit about Michael Cohen, the personal attorney of the president who had his uh, home office and hotel room um, uh, raided earlier this week first of all bill do you know why he had a hotel room he 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 lives in new york Uh, i do not okay do you think it's weird that they went to i mean like they were trying to find something that he might have been taking from the office or keeping with him do i you know it'd be irresponsible of me to speculate i i just don't know okay um they they are saying now that, that that one of the things that they're looking for is communications between Cohen and uh, WikiLeaks because the Hollywood, uh, the Access Hollywood tape came out. And then right after that, WikiLeaks started to release things um, about, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, I want to say Lenny Davis, but yeah, Podesta. So uh, your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, uh, you say they're saying. Who's they're saying? Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, leaks. Yes. All right, this is, the, this, this is the big story today. So the FBI raids Cohen's office, and then all of a sudden, the Washington Post is printing what the FBI found and, and all of that. So somebody from the FBI or the Justice Department, Rod Rosenstein's office, or Mueller's office, 
had to leak it to the Washington Post. Yeah, they had to. Now, yours. Number one. Th- this is one of the points that you and, and you should make this point. One of the points in your op-ed is about you know when this happened to Bill Clinton, Ken Starr was not leaking that we no. know of. Right. This is a torrent of this, and nobody's trying to stop it, as far as I know. So, you want to leak to the Washington Post? Go ahead. We're not going to give you a lie detector test. We're not going to start to prosecute people who are, are doing this because it's illegal. If an FBI agent raids anybody's office and then calls the Washington Post and tells them what they found, that's a felony. Okay? So, but it's accepted. Who, who's talking about that? Nobody. It's all the Washington Post reports. And Washington Post doesn't know if it's true. They don't know, but they don't care. But w- hang on, hang on just a anything. second. L- let me just play devil's advocate here. I, I sure. tend to agree with you, but let me let me pl- play devil's advocate. Is it possible that uh, a uh, these leaks would have happened or could have happened under Clinton, but it's a different world in the media because of internet? I say that in my article, I say that maybe the leaks did. It. It's possible, right? But they could have leaked to anti-Clinton people like Rush Limbaugh. I mean, they could have leaked to, there are a lot of, you know, the Washington Times. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of anti-Clinton people that they could have leaked, but no leaks came out. Mm-hmm. But now, every, you know, within two hours after anything happens revolving, involving Donald Trump, Washington Post, New York Times, or CNN gets it. Okay. Now, back to Cohen. So you, you raid the office, and you have to have presented to a judge to get the warrant for the raid some kind of possible felony. All right, so we have evidence that a felony was committed. Here it is, judge. Here it is. Judge looks at it. It's coming from the FBI. Um, So, okay, I'm signing the warrant. Go in and go look for backup on what you think happened. So they go. And then they seize all kinds of records. They don't, uh, it's not a warrant that is uh, specific. We're just looking for this, Mr. Cohen. Do you have it? You know, please tell us where it is. No, they get everything. So there is like 10,000 potential violations of attorney-client privilege, not just with Donald Trump, but Cohen's got other people he works for as well. Mm, wait a minute. Okay, so 10, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to let yes. you skate on that one. Um, this is not a violation of attorney-client privilege with a clean and dirty FBI team. This is the way it is set up. This, this is not usually done, but can be done. It's certainly not ever done with the president at something this high level, so they better have something. The only question is, do you trust the clean team to stay away from the dirty team? No, you can't do that, Beck, because but that's the way it's done. Bill. leaked stuff about the raid. Somebody involved with the raid leaked it. Yeah, but they, they did not leak what they have found. They have not they leaked, leaked what they found. They, looked, they, they leaked. This is what we were looking for. Yes. So and that's the dirty leak, team. If, right. Right. If they're going to leak that, then you have a massive, massive potential. And I, I did oh, use the I, word potential. I, yes, I agree. Violation of attorney-client privilege. Yes. I, I, you know what I'm going to submit to you? I'm going to submit to you today on the Glenn Beck program on Friday the 13th. Mm. That there is no attorney crime privilege in this country anymore, as there is no contractual law. Contract law, forget it. Forget it. You sign a contract, and it says X, and if somebody violates X, the system says, we don't care. 
We don't care. There's no contract law. There's no attorney-client privilege. There isn't anything. There's no privacy on Facebook. There's nothing. Somebody wants to stand outside your house with some kind of gizmo that can record your conversation inside your house? Who's going to do something about it? Nobody. So the American people ought to know that all the rights they thought they had, talking to an attorney, signing a valid contract, they're gone okay wait wait i'm not gonna let you uh, bill i am with you on 99 percent of that that You're our done. rights are are gone there is no such thing as privacy however attorney client privilege yes. does stand this is a, th- when if i am the client that is accused everything that i say about my case to my attorney and everything my attorney says back to me is protected However, I am going to wait a minute, you, wait a minute, wait a I'm minute. I'm going to guarantee you that what you're saying is false because there are going to be leaks about what Trump discussed with his attorney. That Those is, wait, come out then that is any charges before anything. Then that is different than saying that this is a violation of attorney client privilege. This is the way the system is built. If I'm colluding in another crime, or if my attorney is committing a crime, that when we're yeah, talking about, hang on, that, Bill, that. hang on. When we're talking about that thing, it is not privileged. And that's why there are that's two right. teams, one that is investigating one crime and another team that is working basically for the court that goes in and says, you have to find these things, everything else that is not regarding these things you cannot touch and you cannot reveal. And you believe. No, I don't. That. No, I don't. But I'm you saying that's what they did with Cohen. I am saying that when you when someone makes the blanket statement that this was destroying attorney client privilege. Yeah. No, this is the system that we have always had. This is not making law up. You're going to see the, back the, the that wait. I'm absolutely right. And when it comes out, I'm going to demand airtime <laughs> on your No, because you're not listening to me. You're not listening I'm to sure me. I am. No, you're not. You're talking theoretical. I am. Ta- talking no, real. I am talking about the law. You're the one speculating and, here, right, Bill? You're the yeah. one saying that this is going to happen in the future. Right. Hang right? on just a second. I'm talking about the law. And then I'm saying to you, I agree with you that I don't trust the people involved. But that's different than saying there is no attorney-client privilege under the law. There yeah. is. We just yeah. don't have... I, I don't know how I, get, I can't get through to you and Stu, okay? <laughs> the law is there in the wording of the law is still there. Same thing with contracts, Beck. It's there. But if it it's isn't not. enforced, if things don't happen to people who violate the I law... Agree. I agree. Then it's it doesn't but mean so anything. So far, I know you don't like to spec. I don't know. I know you don't like to speculate. You like to deal on facts. Right. So far, they have not violated the attorney-client privilege. They have not. Okay, but it's only been three days. Okay, right. but I know Bill O'Reilly does not like to speculate. Boy, I'm going to play that tape back <laughs> over and over again. But I know you don't like to speculate. All right. So okay. I can't. I can't accuse i can say 
You that can this speculate. Is a potential, as I have said 14 times already. <laughs> yeah, I know. Potential. You're speculating. I think the potential yeah. will be fulfilled. All right. Bill, All can, right. I, can I ask your uh, journalistic expertise on these yeah. leaking here, on, on the leaking issue for a minute? Listen to this. This is a, from the Washington Post this week. It's about a portrait of Trump in the current moment comes from interviews with 21 people, and then they break down the types of people that they've interviewed. Now, they're using the number 21 to gather uh, credibility. They talk to 21 people. It must be true. They're trying to convince their readers that they're not a bunch of charlatans. Right. And, And what I'm saying is, look, if the Washington Post had a stellar record of being fair, not only to Donald Trump, but to conservatives, to traditional Americans, to the Republican Party, if their record was fair, then I would believe them. Mm-hmm. But it's not, Stu. No. <laughs> okay? I would, I would, it's not. I would tend to agree they with that. Hate, they hate anyone who is not of liberal orthodoxy. They despise them. So that, therefore, they can say, we talked to 87,000 people. <laughs> and I'm going, I don't care, because w- the outcome it was already told to the reporter before he talked to one person. This is the outcome we want. All right? We want Trump out of office. That has been made very clear by the publications, New York Times. Okay, hang on just a second. Just a second. No, I just want to be very specific because I do not believe those conversations were had. I believe those conversations don't need to be had. Listen to me. Listen to me. I believe those conversations don't need to be had because it's groupthink. They all think the same way. Yes. So there's no planning. There's no conspiracy. I, I find it very hard to believe that a reporter would say, I talked to 21 people who told me. You know, and and then they, the person didn't talk to any any twenty one people, but right. it doesn't matter because they might have talked to people for three minutes. Hey, hey, did you, did you hear this? Oh yeah, I heard it. Bye. And that's okay. kind of that's what I'm getting but at here. The is outcome it? the outcome of the article? This is what everybody has to understand. Mm-hmm. When these reporters are assigned something, all right, it's not just Trump. All right, it is made quite clear to them what the editors want, what they want. This is what we want you to find out. Bang. And those reporters are going to do that, because if they don't, they're not going to get the good assignments. I could give you names. I know this. I've seen it. All right? And, and it, it absolutely happens. But now it's an epidemic, because all of them want Trump out of office. Right. I, know, I agree with you. We, we just think, had we just had Ben Smith on any, yesterday. We just had Ben why, Smith. Why aren't there any leaks that say that <laughs> Trump does something good? We, is, there well, hasn't been the administration one leak that, that says, "Hey, he did something good." Yeah, <laughs> one, just one. I just want one. <laughs> I what I'm trying to get at here with this though, Bill, is it's source inflation. Like, they're using that number. Listen to what comes after it. Quickly. Interviews with 21 administration officials, which would be notable if they had 21 administration officials, but that's not where it stops. 21 administration officials, comma, outside advisors. What the hell is that? Comma, lawmakers. (laughs) Chuck Schumer is a lawmaker. They interviewed Chuck Schumer about this? Outside advisors and staff of CNN. Right. Look, it's all all a ruse. You know that. Come on. All right. 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 Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. BillOReilly.com.
Right. Yeah. You got to go there this weekend. We got lots of great stuff, Beck. So I want you yourself to go. What Me are you doing myself. this weekend, anyway? You doing anything I'm fun? just spending my time at BillOReilly.com. That's what I'm doing. You uh, eating, yeah, and you can eat donuts while you do I that. I can eat donuts in my <laughs> underpants. Simultaneously. It's, wow. it's a, it's a, sounds like a sounds like a fabulous weekend, Bill O'Reilly. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having me in, guys. God bless. BillOReilly.com. I think, you know what, I just, I feel like we're saying similar things. Yeah, you're close. We're in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He just refuses to listen. That's, yes, that's true. That's basically Bill O'Reilly every time, every, every Friday in this hour. That's All right. All right. Let me tell you about uh, My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply would like you to be prepared. FEMA admits recently that they can't help everybody who's uh, underprepared. We have to take matters into our own hands. In fact, they say everybody should have, was it a month's worth of food? I think it was a yeah, month's worth of food. So. Yeah. Okay, great. Now is the time to do it before, you know, the hurricanes and the wildfires uh, start. You know, before like the you know the earthquakes and by the way, we are ten days from the rapture. Oh yeah, ten days from the rapture. Mm. Uh, we've gotten that from experts. Now we'll we'll give you the detail and can't of course come we'll, fast enough. Can't come fast <laughs> enough. So at least get. I mean, this is a waste of money. A four week food supply. You only need ten days. All right. <laughs> Four-week food supply right now is $99, and the time to prepare is before, well, the rapture, and before there's trouble. I mean, you might be left behind. Preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. $99 for emergency food for four weeks. It's 800-271-63. Four weeks of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 800 200 7163. It's $99 now at preparewithglenn.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Man, I can't tell you how excited I am for this interview. Mary Jo Kopechny's family in their first national interview, at least that I know of, um, uh, talking about Mary Jo, uh, how she died, uh, Ted Kennedy, and the new movie Chappaquiddick. Um, it's going to be interesting to hear from them in a story that has been buried for so long. And the New York Times is now saying, oh, it's totally unfair. Totally unfair. <laughs> they didn't accuse him of killing her, just leaving her. They didn't accuse him of having an affair. He didn't accuse him of anything. They just showed the basic, the most basic facts. It's still very damning. Bad for Ted because bad, bad he was Ted. bad. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah. But they didn't, they did not push that storyline at all. And they say that it's unfair. Wow. We'll, we'll hear from Mary Jo Kopechny's family. I can't wait. Don't miss it. It's next. Glenn Beck, Mercury. Love, courage, truth. Glenn Beck. So imagine, imagine being the family of Mary Jo Kopechny. So many people in America don't even know that name now, shockingly, because it had been buried for a very long time because of a very powerful family. 
But Mary Jo Kopechny, 28-year-old campaign worker, speechwriter for Bobby Kennedy. She was the one that died at Chappaquiddick. If you don't know the story of Chappaquiddick, there's a new movie out that you need to see. But the story is shockingly told for, I think, the first time. And it's told in a very fair, I think, and, and charitable way. But you see this woman clinging to life, trapped in a car that has been driven off a bridge by Ted Kennedy, where she survives for three hours gasping for air. She's been relegated to a to footnote status. What's really sad is Mary Jo Kopechny isn't a person. She's a thing that happened to Ted Kennedy that happened to him or happened in his life. She's a person. And the family is uh, is speaking out now. I believe this is their first national interview. Uh, to talk about uh, Chappaquiddick and Mary Jo Kopechny. With us is Georgetta Nelson-Potosky. She's Mary Jo Kopechny's first cousin. And Bill Nelson, who's Mary Jo Kopechny's first cousin's son. They are the co-authors of the book Our Mary Jo. Georgetta, Bill, how are you? Wow. I'm well. How are you, Mr. Beck? <laughs> this is really a pleasure. I've been a fan for a long time, Glenn. It's a <laughs> wonderful experience to talk with you. Wow. Thank you very much. Um, it, it's it's weird for me to talk to you guys because you are such you're such a part of history. You were there and and nobody nobody sees Mary Jo as Mary Jo. It, it, she's an event. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's kind of, kind of a footnote in history. She was just the girl who died in the car and uh, broke our hearts to lose her. It was really sad and, and hard to deal with. Is my son on? Are you on, Bill? Yes. Yeah, I'm he, here, Mom. How are you? You, <laughs> you may not be able to hear him. Uh, Bill, um, do, you remember, uh, do you remember any of this incident? Uh, I was born in 1972, so I didn't okay. have the pleasure of meeting Aunt Mary Jo, no. Okay, and um, uh, go ahead. But o- over the time and growing up with my mother, of course, and, and knowing about Chappaquiddick, I went and searched for information all the time, and I could never find anything about Mary Jo. And that's really why we started to uh, dig through all of the pictures and the letters and the stories and the memories from her friends. And we wanted to put together a book for the family. So that's how it all got started, because I didn't know who Mary Jo was, as did the rest of the world. No one really knew who this woman was, except that she was a boiler room girl. I have to tell you, I would love to have you guys in studio and, and Georgetta bring the pictures and and real, I'd really love to tell her story. Um, I, 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 I think this is fascinating. Uh, my uh, my daughter sat with me. She's 30 years old. And my my two uh, uh, nieces and nephews and we watched Chappaquiddick and I watched almost in horror that they knew nothing about it. They knew nothing about her. They they had never heard. Uh, it, it, after the car went over, my daughter looked at me and said, "Please tell me he didn't be, he he wasn't uh, a senator after this." And I said, "Oh no, honey, watch how yeah. how bizarre is this for something so huge uh, to be buried for so long?" And then now there's a major motion picture out about it. 
Well, I'm very happy with the the picture. And we were privileged to have a private screening, and we had our family and closest friends there. And my young niece um, cried. At go ahead, Bill. Yeah. At, the, at the end of it. it, it was it was we had about forty people, friends and family, and they um, they reacted in in horror uh, after the movie was over because you're right, Glenn. Uh, they don't know uh, the new generation coming up don't know, and I'm shocked that it took almost forty years or almost fifty years to make a movie about this this story. And I think it was suppressed so many times over the years and not allowed to be. Uh, made. I'm very proud of the courage that the filmmakers and the producers have in making uh, this film. And like you said, they did it in a very fair and balanced way because they used the inquest testimony from what everybody out of that island that night said happened. Yeah. So you can't really dispute it. If that's the official record of what they said happened, you can't you, you can't you know, have fault with it then and say, well, we don't know the truth. Well, neither do we. So, you know, imagine how frustrating that is for her parents, Gwen and Joe. Georgetta, um, when we in the movie, we see um, uh, we see Mary Jo's uh, parents, your your parents. Uh, my my um, our mothers were sisters. So that was my aunt. OK, Gwen. okay. so your aunt, uh, your aunt, and your uh-huh. uncle sitting there was was did they find it strange that that Ted Kennedy uh, you know, sent somebody there and was, you know, screening everything and kind of taking control of their situation? Or did they find that a comfort at the time? Well, at the very beginning, Gwen said she thought that they were sent to help them. Um, but then they soon realized that they were screening everyone who was calling the house or coming to the house. And there were close friends of Gwen and Joe's that they would have liked to have seen because they could have given them real comfort. Our family was kind of scattered. I was living with the family, my family, in Rhode Island. And the bulk of our family is in Pennsylvania. Gwen and Joe were in New Jersey. So it took a few days to get everyone together so that we could comfort them. But she thought at first they were helping and then later thought, "Mm, maybe not. Maybe they were just screening who was going to say, well, ask him this or ask him that. Or, But Gwen and Joe were destroyed. They were absolutely destroyed when their only daughter died. I, I, uh, Uncle Joe said uh, they wanted more children, but he said, if we could only have one, God send us the best. She was she seemed remarkable. I, I loved the way they portrayed her in this. They didn't get into anything salacious uh, like an affair. No. I had always heard that they they were having an affair. Were they or not? No, okay. she didn't particularly like it. No. <laughs> I don't think anybody really did. <laughs> she didn't. Well, they were all very young. He was in his 30s. She was 28. But um, she um, idealized Bobby. And yeah. that was the only thing that brought her out of the South. She was down South during the Civil Rights days. And we were very worried about her teaching school in Alabama. But when she had the opportunity to work in Washington with the people who were making the rules, making the laws and and making things better for everyone and equal rights, she came right up to Washington. Yeah, she was a speechwriter yeah. for, for Bobby, right? She helped him write his um, speech uh, announcing he was going to run for president. Yes. Wow. Yeah, she was smart. Yeah. Well, she was one of the older boiler room girls too, though. I Can you explain what a bo- explain what a boiler room girl is? They were a group of women, uh, all very intelligent, all very well educated, all committed 
to helping uh, Bobby with the campaign and all the good works that he was doing. And they happened to work in this one room. I think it was windowless, but it was not. It wasn't in the basement with the boilers. No. <laughs> so can no. can you guys tell me? Um, uh, because the one thing we all walked out of this movie uh, saying is, how did she not get out and he did? Is there any? Oh my God! Are there any thoughts on this? I wish I knew that. Mary Jo is a wonderful swimmer. And if she had, uh, her face couldn't have been more than a foot from air, even though she was inside the car trying to breathe the air that was in there. Why didn't she get out? If you want my opinion. Go go ahead, Bill. If if you want my opinion on it, when they did the inquest, there was blood that went down the back of her blouse, probably to the small of her back. They dismissed it as some sort of nonsense as foam from her mouth. But I always wondered that. Why didn't she get out of the car? And I personally think that she was injured inside that car. And she may not have been all the way conscious either. I think instinctually, when John Farrar pulled her out of the car, instinctually, she had found an air pocket up by what would be the foot um, hole because it was, the car was upside down. So it would be where you would mm-hmm. put your feet. Um, that's that's a question that's puzzled us for years, and we don't we don't have a lot of answers about Chappaquiddick. But what we've done is we'll give you who Mary Jo was, so we can tell you what probably didn't happen. For instance, the, this rumor about her being in an affair with Ted Kennedy. There's a good chance that that never happened because of who Mary Jo was and her upbringing and her Catholic and her values and and things like that. So. When you find out what didn't happen, it kind of leads you down the path of what possibly could happen. And I wish more people would do that, that were there or that know things. I wish more people would come forward with whatever little pieces of information that they may have. And that at least we know our fact. You, and you, then you can work backwards. You think there is more information, more more people that could come forward and tell? Uh, I sure do. I sure do, because mm-hmm. there were more than Ted Kennedy on that island that night. There was there was multiple people. There's probably eight or nine or ten more people that are alive today that at least know a little piece of the puzzle. And if you can take that little piece of the puzzle and you can deduce what didn't happen, then you can work backwards and probably come up with a good theory. I could tell you what didn't happen, and that's whatever they said at the inquest, because it doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. So it's logically not possible. What do you mean? What what didn't make sense? Um, him diving in the water and, and swimming across the channel. There have been multiple reports that that's impossible. Um, the side of the car it, on the passenger side is absolutely crushed from the front fender to the back fender. Well, water doesn't do that. So going off a bridge and hitting the water does not crush an Oldsmobile. An Oldsmobile 88, they're made of steel, I believe. So, so there's a lot of stuff that we don't know or that has been left out of the big picture. What do you think, um, that, what do you think that means? What, what I, speculation? I, well, there's a lot of different theories out there. There was a theory that there was an accident before the bridge and that Mary Jo was hurt, um, which would also you know, go towards the blood on her blouse and her maybe being disorientated too. Um, There was a theory that he was never in the car when it went off the bridge. Um, There was a theory that there were other people in the car besides Ted Kennedy. There was a couple other, uh, maybe a woman or a man or, so there's, there's a lot of different theories that kind of make more sense than the official version of what happened. Yeah, and that makes if they were as there was an accident, she was hurt. And even if there weren't other people for him to then push it off of a of of a bridge probably would make a little more a little more sense. 
because it doesn't I it, think, go ahead i think the saddest thing uh for gwen and joe was that no one has ever come to them and said you know i saw mary joe on the on the island uh, she was happy she was looking forward to her new job these girls all came together because they had scattered and this was their last chance to see each other bobby had died a few of them including mary joe had been chosen to um clean up the office and things to the museums and things homes and things to the office. It was a very tragic uh, uh, task for them because they had loved the senator. And um, so this was a chance for them to be together. But no one has ever come to Gwen and Joe and said, I saw saw Mary Jo, she was happy, Um, we were looking forward to this or that. And so they've never had the last few hours of their daughter's life. And I think that's a terrible tragedy. So wait, so wait, none of the, none of the boiler girls ever got together with the family and no, they were at her funeral, but Gwen and Joe were so sedated to tell you the truth that, um, and and none of them were ever introduced to any of us. So we never Mm -hmm. got a chance to talk to them either. And afterward, uh, when it was calmed down, and they thought that, uh, well, now the senator will come forward and talk to them. He did call them, asked them to come to Hyannisport, and uh, they thought, well, now, now we'll find out what happened that night. But when they got there, they walked into a cocktail party. He came over and said hello and oh disappeared. Gosh. And so they turned around and went home and more or less hibernated the rest of their lives. But he never, yeah. as far as I know, never even said, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, touching on that, um, not only did Gwen and Joe lose their only daughter in a highly publicized accident, car wreck, whatever you want to call it, but then they didn't get their daughter's last lives. Then they were abandoned by everybody that was there. And then on top of all of that, you got to remember that they got all these nasty letters from the public oh, accusing yeah. them of, of hiding things or, or not getting an autopsy because they wanted to know if she was pregnant or some nonsense. And every, every mm-hmm. anniversary, they go out to the mailbox and they have these nasty letters for pretty much the rest of their life. Oh, my I can't gosh. imagine what oh, my they gosh. went through. Okay. And we have those letters. Can you, can wow. you hang on? Can you hang on just a second? Because uh, uh, I want to continue our conversation with the family of Mary Jo Kopechny. That's a movie in and of itself. Mm. All right, I want to tell you about Filter By, great sponsor of ours. Um, they make a, a, a really good product, but they also employ a lot of people. Apparently, U.S. companies lose $250 million a year uh, due to employees with, uh, with, the, with allergies and uh, the suffering that goes on because we just don't, clear, uh, we don't clean our air filters. Something as simple as changing the air filters can make a world of difference in a workplace satisfaction, productivity, and your home. Now, it'll make a difference to you if you just change the filters. I want to talk to you about FilterBuy because FilterBuy is America's leading provider of uh, uh, HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They make it really easy for you to improve the quality of the air that you breathe, and they save you a ton of money because it reduces the wear and tear on your HVAC system. All of the air filters that are made by FilterBuy are made here in America. They employ Americans, and they have fought to keep the... Honestly, the guy who uh, uh, runs it now is uh, was a Wall Street guy. He found out that his grandfather's business that he had built back in the 50s that didn't make filters, made something else, 
was uh, was being sold and dismantled and all these people were going to lose their jobs. He quit his job and he started filter by in that same town, in that same factory, just to keep his grandfather's dream alive, which I just think is so great. Now they make great filters all here in America. Filter dot com. Filterby.com. Go there now. Get your filters, get your air clean in your home and in your business at filterby.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. Family of Mary Jo Kopechny is uh, on with us. Bill, we lost your we lost your mom. Um, and but I want to ask you to if it, could you guys could we fly you in and uh, and bring the letters and the whole story and any speeches that she wrote? I, I would love to have you guys come in and share that history. Uh, absolutely. I, I don't. Yeah, we would love to. That'd be an honor. I'm sure my mom would be very happy about that. Also, she's I got to warn you, though, she's the busiest retired woman I know. So, we have to. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, absolutely. So uh, let me just let me just spend the last couple of minutes here asking um, about your your uh, what it would be aunt and uncle or great aunt and uncle Mary Jo's. Uh, yeah, Mary Jo would be my uh, aunt. So, OK, yeah, so your great aunt and uncle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, were lived this life of of being so proud of their daughter and then their daughter becoming this villain to some and an event to others what was right. the what was their life like I, we visited Gwen and Joe very, uh, very often. Uh, we would go up and we would visit them. And, and looking back now, I was younger then. I was in my teenage years when we would visit them, early 20s. But looking back now through different eyes, I saw, like, especially Uncle Joe, he was pleasant, but he was hollow. He, he, I caught him one day looking out the window, and I wrote about this in the book. And I didn't realize till years later that he just seemed like he was waiting for somebody, and he was waiting for somebody to come home. And you can tell that he was off in a faraway place. And I'm sure he was thinking about Mary Jo at that time. You know, Mary Jo didn't deserve to go down in history the way that she did. And that's why we started her scholarship at University of Misericordia University and why we wrote her book, to set the record straight so that she and her life have an opportunity to do good. And through her scholarship, to do uh, good for education and for people who are, you know, furthering their education. And it's been very well received. It's been humbling to us that it's been so well received by everyone the name, and it's really gratifying the name of the book is our mary joe uh it's available uh everywhere and uh i i uh, i haven't read it yet but i i uh hope that it picks the story up um before and after the movie chappaquiddick yeah yeah, the um, it, it's it starts from actually her heritage and where she came from. It continues up past her death into Gwen and Joe's life without her. Um, it's a comprehensive look. And what we did is we took all the letters that we had received from people around the world. Well, Gwen and Joe had received and we had actually inherited them. And we put them in the book to tell Mary Joe's story through the eyes of other people, through her friends, her co-workers, 
Um, all the now she was great, but not because we say so, but because everyone who knew her said so. So oh. all the people surrounding her had an opportunity to go on and be lawyers and be publicists and have very successful lives. So we'd only assume Mary Jo would also have done that too. So this is a, this gives her a second chance. The name of the book is Our Mary Jo. It is Mary Jo Kopechny's story. The name of the movie is Chappaquiddick. You need to see it. It's unbelievable. Thank you so much, Bill. Glenn Beck Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, program to Pat Gray. Hello, Pat. Hello, Glenn. Did you just did you just hear Mary Jo Kopechny's family on with us? I did. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Pretty Uh, compelling. Let me let me let me ask you this. Who in who is alive in history that we should be talking to? Who's alive that witnessed something like Mm. I would have never thought that we could just reach out to Mary Jo Kopechny's family. I I don't know why. It just didn't even occur to me. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, Tokyo Rose was living in she died I think in 2010 we should have talked to her before she died who who's out there that's a witness to history and I'd love to hear from you just tweet me at Glenn Beck I'd like to hear who's a witness of history that we should go look for and talk to that'd be great it's it's, it's just to hear the I mean, what it was like for them to go through that oh as a family member of, of the, because you, all yeah. you hear about is the Ted Kennedy side, which is really important. I mean, the Chappaquiddick movie really deals mainly with, with Ted Kennedy's side of it. And it's really important to know. But I mean, her, I, her I don't know is, about you, but when I saw it, you guys both saw the movie, right? Yep. Yeah. When I saw it, I, I immediately thought, uh, how did the family feel? How dirty did that mm-hmm. feel? How awful? I think at first they were real supportive of him. Yeah. Yeah. And but first. as time went on, they realized... Yeah, the guy left her to die. Well, I, you know, there was a real a scene in the movie I wanted to ask her about. We didn't get time, but uh, she uh, she was friends with the Boiler Room Girls, right? Like mm-hmm. this group of advisors and speechwriters and stuff, young pe- girls that were around that in the Kennedy circles. They were meeting up at this house, and after this happens, they come back and in the next morning and say, "Hey, look, some really some crazy crap went down. Ted's uh, at, at, at the police station." And one of the boiler room girls, the friend of Mary Jo's in the movie, at least, it comes up and 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 says, uh, "What can we do to protect Ted?" Like that was their mm-hmm. reaction. Like this is mm-hmm. the person died. Your friend died. What can we do to protect? Yeah, Ted? if she really said that, that's pretty despicable. I, I, it may have been a composite reaction, but I think it seemed, if my memory serves, it, it was well, it, that was the way they reacted know, generally. Knowing that none of the boiler girls ever reached out to her family yeah. is weird. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I'm smelling food. Oh my gosh, it smells so good. So this is what taste is this? Test day. This is taste test day. Yes, uh, mm. this is an important thing. Uh, as you know, we deal with international news all the time. Here on the program, very important. Uh, And the International House of Pancakes has a new (laughs) new entry. It doesn't get any more international than that news. I think that is... uh, Okay, so... So hang on just a second. As wow. we're eating these, what are these? These are so the new like Hawaiian sp- sweet rolls? Yeah, before you just jam them down your gullet, let's explain what they are. <laughs> the, you, you know the ahead. Hawaiian rolls you have around the holidays? I love those. Uh, I, in the orange bag. Uh, yeah, in the orange bag. Mm-hmm. They're kind of sweet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have decided to make French toast out of them. Oh, that's a great idea. Which is a freaking awesome idea. We that's have why three they're kinds. international. That's why they're yep. in every country in that's the world. Why. Strawberry and banana, okay. cinnamon toast, and regular. Okay, so let me um, uh, wow. let me just point this out as we're eating this. Uh, to tell you, just for science, science purposes only. 
Uh, Stu. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you give me what Russia just announced? Oh, sure. This is interesting. Wait, I can't eat when I'm... I know. There's uh, not a heck of a lot of details yet, but... The Rus- this is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Russian military is saying that the alleged chemical attack in Syria... Now they're saying, I guess, it is happen- It did actually happen. The alleged chemical attack right. in At Syria... Right, at first it was fake news. Right. Huh, uh, what happened to that? Now it's not. The Russian military is saying that the alleged chemical attack in Syria was staged and directed by Britain. Jeez. I mean, you... I, I, wait, how, wait a minute. The alleged was staged. <laughs> I, I'm having a hard time with that. All right, so we have uh, th- we have mm-hmm. this. Uh, what have you tried here, Glenn? Because I can. I'm not that impressed. What do you mean you're not impressed? Mm. I think this is an interesting concept. It didn't, it's not Look, working. The Hawaiian for you. rolls are the greatest things ever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Hawaiian king came up with them. <laughs> But if um, he demanded the island back, I'd give it to them as long Ma- as they Maui. would, Maui as long it. as they would sh- continue to ship the rolls. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's good, but it's not awe-inspiring. Oh, I just spilled syrup. It's not as <laughs> it's not as it's not as good as um, as it sounds. No. What, what, now, what's your what's your reasoning behind that? I think that's pretty good. I mean, it it doesn't taste. Here's what I would say about it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste that much different mm-hmm. than regular French toast. Right. Like, there's not a huge difference. Well, I had very high expectations because those rolls are so yummy. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's pretty freaking good. No, it's good. It's it's good. It's good. I wouldn't spit it out. <laughs> oh, I would go farther than that. <laughs> I would eat it, mm-hmm. and I would order it, mm-hmm. but it's not like, you know, I, I was expecting something just really remarkable. I'm not going to an international city just to have it. No. I'll just go I'm to not the, going to would, Brussels to get this. No. You wouldn't the travel good news to Prague. Is, <laughs> the good news is, it's the International House of Pancakes. Mm-hmm. They're all over the world. Right. So whatever city you find That is good in, news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a solid uh, entry. It's a nice little... It's not bad. It's a nice thing to try. I mean, you're. I think you're right, though. If I go to... Like, if I find myself at IHOP, which I tend to do... Uh, you just wake up and you're there yeah like sometimes sort of you're an ihop guy i am an ihop I over very, over the waffle house i like waffle house too the problem oh, waffle, house, waffle house the smoke too much situation smoke. is a problem for me Oof, at waffle house. really um, bad but uh you know like i like all the chain <clears throat> breakfast places there's not any that yeah. i can identify that i don't like <laughs> but my kids really mm-hmm. like ihop we do it pancake time on uh, on saturdays and a lot of times we'll go to ihop and if i'm at ihop which mm-hmm. i am a lot I would absolutely put this on my menu of selections uh, to, oh, to yeah. choose yeah. while I'm there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so would I. But would I, like, would I, <clears throat> for, you know, quit my job and move to <laughs> an apartment next door to IHOP so I can have it every morning until the, it expires? Maybe not. Maybe you not. you get a discount or something at IHOP? Why are you suddenly so, you know, this is bad. Pretty pro IHOP, isn't <laughs> like, He's pretty like, hey, IHOP, I'm not saying anything bad about you. <laughs> no, I, I, think I, I think I articulated that well. I, I wouldn't quit my job and move next to it. That's a knock on. Well, there's is Most there of, a food you would quit your job for and move thousands next to? of food. <laughs> really, I think of it as excuses rather than foods. Mm-hmm. How can I justify quitting my job and moving next to a restaurant? I think about that often. Well, the nice thing is, IOPS are always in the best parts of town. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty good. I, it's pretty solid, but yeah, it's not life changing. Yeah, it's not bad. So that's good. By the way, um, the Russian military uh, says that an alleged chemical attack in Syria is staged by Britain. 
I've eaten all the fruit off the plate. Mm -hmm. That should tell you something because there's still bread left. Right. Mm -hmm. I've eaten all the fruit off the plate. What happened to your diet? You know, you're shut up. I don't eat things like this anymore. Yeah, we've been getting harassed about this segment. Everyone keeps going, are you guys not supposed to eat that stuff? It's a a radio show. It's more important than a stupid diet. Okay. People need to know the information about the International House of Pancakes latest offerings. Get over your Glenn's health thing. <laughs> Thank you, Stu. Thank you. It's science. I am donating my... I am loaning my body out for science right now. Think about the sacrifices you're making. Amen, brother. Preach on. You know, people... You know, a lot of people won't do the types of things you do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not everyone will go uh, cover genocide in Syria. That's right. Not everyone will go to Rwanda mm. in Amen. the middle of the Hutu Tutsi dispute Amen. and get on the ground, preach it, and and talk to the guys holding the machetes. Speak they won't do that. And other people won't eat IHOP off their diet. Amen. Amen. You'll do that. Yeah. You're an extraordinary human being. Thank you, Pat. Thank mm-hmm. you. I, you know, I feel a little uncomfortable with you guys pointing out how great I am. Uh, I don't think you do. <laughs> nice, pretty comfortable. <laughs> you seem fine with it. So this is your choice, I guess, America. Could we sit here and dissect all the leaks from the James Comey book today? Of course. Sure we could. We could. Sure. sure we could spend lots of time talking about James Comey and all the observations he had about Donald Trump's hands. <clears throat> Why? Or we can tell you what the latest thing at IHOP is. Can I tell you something? Honestly. Why? What? What? What is it that there is to gain on any of this Comey stuff? And I, I, I haven't read it, obviously, yet. But from what I've heard, there's almost nothing new in it. Well, yeah, I, I was making this there's point nothing new. earlier. Like when, when, they, when a book company, when, when stuff starts leaking out from a book, two, one of two things has happened. A journalist has received the entire book, uh-huh. whether they bought it. Sometimes they mistakenly put it out at stores. Sometimes, you know, the book company could leak it to them. So they look at the book and they go through the book and they find the best stuff, the most important stuff that they think will, will make, will, you know, get attention to it. And they bring it up. Mm-hmm. That's part one. Part two is the publisher of the book leaks excerpts of the things they'll find to be most salacious so that people will start talking about the book before it comes out. If it's that if it's the publisher leaking details and this is what's coming out. We don't know if there's good stuff in the book yet. We don't know if there's real stuff in the book yet because they may just be leaking salacious details to get attention. And then when you read the substance of it, you may find that there actually is substance there. But if there's a galley of the book. Right. If they have this whole book, they've read the whole book. And what you're hearing now is the most interesting crap in there. It's a pretty bad book. It's a giant zilch. And by all indications, it's that one. It's that way. They actually do have the book. They've gone through the book. And these are the things they find to be most important. That's really bad. The only thing anybody's talking about is that dumb Russian rumor uh, about the sex with prostitutes in Moscow and what went on there. And he just says he thinks it he he thinks it's possible that it's true. Well, first so of all, what? First, first of, of all, all, we already went down that road, and it's not the reason he thinks it's true is because apparently Trump asked him to go investigate this. That's exactly. Can I tell you something? That's that tells me it's not true. That tells true. me it's not true. Why would right. you, if my if if I had that out about me and uh, my wife would know. Mm-hmm. But I would say, I don't want that out about me. That right. is horrible. Yes. Go prove that that is inaccurate. And they're making a big deal out of it because everybody's saying, well, why would she even believe there's a 1% chance? Well, because he admitted to affairs multiple times. He bragged about it in books. So, yeah, she could think maybe he did something weird like that. Yeah. So go investigate no, it and no, show no, no, her that I no, didn't no, no. do it. There's no way he did something oh, weird Oh, I don't like think that. he did either. No, no, wait, 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 wait. There's no way she believes he did something weird. Would he... 
would he go to Moscow and have sex with beautiful yes. models? Yeah. yeah, and I think she would she would have fears that maybe he would do that, and right. I think she would be justified in that. This that's not what this mm-hmm. is. This is him buying hookers, which I do not believe Donald Trump would do. Um, it would it'd be too big. Let's just take it the 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 shallow way. It would be too much of a hit to his ego to have to pay for it. So he wouldn't. I, I don't think the second part of that is the golden shower. Donald Trump doesn't shake hands. He doesn't like to peep to shake people's hands. He's a germaphobe. <laughs> you think that he's going to have somebody pee all over him or around him? No. I hope uh, not. But I mean, it shows. I don't come think on. so no, either. I just I don't think it happened. I don't, think it, I don't happened. either. I don't think it happened either. But to just show how far Comey is going to try to make this case. The, the point you brought up, Pat, he said something to the effect of, look, even if my wife thinks there's a thinks there's a one percent chance that this, something like this happened, I yeah. need to I need to disprove it. Right. And Comey, so go investigate Com- it and show her. And Comey's self righteous uh, line after that: What kind of marriage mm-hmm. are you in if your wife would believe there's a one percent chance you'd do something like that? That is, that is such a stretch. He's just saying, look, I want to make sure mm-hmm. I disprove this, so there's no chance at all my wife would believe it. I don't think she believes it, but even if there's a 1% chance, right. I want the re- truth to be out there. He's right. not saying that his marriage is so bad that she might believe it. Now, you may take that from other comments, but to t- to stretch yeah. his his comment right. there into twisted the, uh, it completely out of proportion. Into an admission his marriage is bad is ridiculous. Yeah. It's I mean, there's first a lot of, of other all, evidence of, 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 all, of those sorts of things. Yeah, first of all, can we just let's just be honest here for a second. Let's let's talk about the product as if it is the product that we all know it is. Donald Trump is not the king of virtue, as we hear from spiritual well, leaders all the time. We didn't we elect did, a pastor. In we chief. didn't elect a pastor. So we know his record with women. Mm-hmm. OK, we know it now, whether it's the Stormy Daniel. Let's just say all of that stuff stopped the minute he found his true love in Melania. Right. OK, we know who he was in the past. You, you don't think Melania does? Yeah, of course, she of course, there's one percent chance. Of course, it doesn't mean anything other than, hey, he's had this kind of stuff in his life before where, you know, he likes the youngest, hottest thing. You know, I I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm whatever. Mm-hmm. Of course, she would think that. And of course, a, a, of course, a good husband would think I don't want her thinking that way. Yeah. You remember the time that your wife found her first gray hair and you had to make a big deal out of how young she was? Absolutely not, Clint. I don't remember that never, either. It's never happened. That's I don't why. think Jackie has a great. Well, I just remember. Oh, yeah. I just. I, remember I just that. remember my father, yeah. who was a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to talk about this today on Pac Unleash? The Comey thing. Yeah, you're going to go into yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. All, All right. Coming up, mm-hmm. Pac Unleash, Blaze TV, Radio, Podcast, and he, he'll also read books to you if you want later on, in person. Let me tell you. Uh, I'll eat for you too if you want. <laughs> let me tell you about uh, Bitcoin. I've been trying to figure out Bitcoin for a long time. I've been trying to figure out how cryptocurrency works, uh, and it's it. It took me about two years, and I really missed. I I, I could have bought it when it was like I don't know two hundred dollars uh, a coin. Yeah, I missed that. Um, and now, what is it today? Back over eight thousand. Back over eight thousand. Yeah. You know why? You know why? George Soros. 
one of the reasons mm. george soros george soros said in january this is a bubble this is ridiculous you don't invest in this stuff he's just opened up his what is it 26 billion dollar fund, fund yeah. and said go ahead and get into cryptocurrencies it's the first time now institutional investors are starting to so all the people who's talked it down are all starting to invest it's gone up a thousand bucks all right so bitcoin don't know if that's the coin that's going to last what the coin is we have a crypto master course that we have put together with the Palm Beach Research Group. Uh, it, uh, Tika Tawari from the Palm Beach Letter is a Wall Street um, hedge fund manager who has helped more people understand and invest in cryptocurrencies than I think anybody, anybody else. We asked him to make an education course just for you. So you can just go to, uh, um, what is it? Cryptocourse.com. Smartcryptocourse.com. You go to smartcryptocourse.com. Learn all about it before you invest. Just see the future and understand it. Smartcryptocourse.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. If you missed any of the programs, just go to uh, iTunes or to glennbeck.com. Grab the podcast. Have a safe weekend. We'll see you Monday. Glenn Beck. Mercury.